This is episode 129 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Prepping Between Reality and Paranoia, and because it's Friday, a blast from the past, 15 ways to limit radiation after nuclear Armageddon. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. And I've, I've been sitting in front of my microphone for um, for longer than I want to admit, trying to get this podcast started. Just uh, kind of uh, feeling a little little weird, uh, <laughs> a little weirder than normal, I guess. Uh, you know, I've start, I have started the podcast before where I just say the world's crazy and uh, feel that even more so. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i in this uh, week-long professional development week uh, in, or professional de- development. You know, and a lot of educators use Twitter. and We have a Twitter handle that the district is using for or a hashtag that we're using uh, just to kind of, you know, kind of promote what's going on and all the good things so people can follow it. And so, uh, you know, you're, I'm doing this professional development week, and so i got my personal Twitter up. I'm tweeting. I'm I'm liking. I'm sharing out, retweeting, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm, I'm going over to the Prepper website, Prepper website Twitter account and uh, checking out what's going on. And, of course, I see today, you know, Barcelona uh, starts lighting up. And uh, it first starts out with, uh, you know, one person dead, two people dead, and then the numbers start going up. And by the time you know it, 13 people have died because some idiot ran them over with a van and uh, 100 people killed. Or, I'm sorry, 100 people hurt. So 13 people killed, 100 people hurt from a van, you know. And then uh, other stuff going on. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things going on in Barcelona that's just that's just one incident. There's other incidents that are that they believed are tied to this one. Uh, and then uh, before I, I started the podcast, I was on Twitter and I saw uh, uh, someone tweet out uh, the possible shots were fired at the scene of uh, the the earlier incident today. And so, man, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And of course, ISIS is is taking credit for it and terrorism and all that kind of stuff. And so you start seeing all that kind of stuff, and then, and then you come back to our country and and you start seeing some of the things that are, are you know what what's going on over here, and you start seeing how divided we are and uh, just how I mean, you never I never would have. Uh, heard people going against the president like they, like they're going you know like they're doing it, it it is absolutely crazy i really don't don't see anything wrong uh with uh with trump's saying that there is fault on the left and fault on the right with what was going on in charlottesville but people are taking that and you know you got all these uh all these business CEOs and whatever, and they're like, you know, uh, dumping. They're, and it, you know, who knew? Who knows what their council was all about or whatever? But they're like all leaving the council, and and Trump or the White House is closing all these these business councils down, and and uh, just. But you know, everybody is, uh, you know, everybody is saying out there how divided things are, and just you know, like things keep ramping up. 
Uh, I, I did finish Jack Spirko's podcast today. I thought it was a really good one. Uh, if you didn't get to go listen to that one, go listen to it. I linked to it in yesterday's uh, uh, show notes. But, um, yeah, I think that was the first time. Like I said, I, I haven't listened to Jack in a while. I do like to listen to his uh, to his analysis and business podcast. But uh, I think it was the first time that he was like, hey, this could go, this could get really bad. This could get bad. And normally, uh, you know, from what I remember, it's normally like, hey, you know, hang, you know, hang tight. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? But, but uh, you know, hey, we'll, we'll get through this, whatever. But, you know, this one is like, hey, this, this could possibly start, you know, ripping the country apart. And so anyway, uh, go, go check that one out. But um, Thursdays are, in, in, if you're not familiar with uh, the way I do the podcast, I record, uh, so I record the Friday's podcast. You're listening to the Friday's podcast now. I record that late Thursday night. And Thursdays we have our small group uh for you know for the church and and actually I started this one before I started pastoring the church uh just with throwing uh you know invitations out out there on prepper website but anyway so we we have a small group and uh just you know really felt the need to to pray and to you know to seek seek the lord for what's going on man because you 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 got to make sure you're grounded now uh, I'm, I'm going to talk a little, so about some spiritual matters here, and that's one reason why I only have two uh, two articles because I'm probably going to take a little bit more time here uh, with some uh, with some spiritual matters here. Uh, those of you who've been listening for a while know that I am a pastor. I am a Christian. I do not apologize for that. If you do not like that, don't listen to the podcast. Go somewhere else. There's plenty of other podcasts you can listen to. Uh, don't send me emails telling me I'm never going to listen to the podcast because you talk about spiritual. I don't care. You know, go somewhere else. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to talk about spiritual matters, and I think that this country is very, very. It, it's, it's in a bad situation because of the spiritual temperature of this country. Now there is that aspect of hey, is maybe some of the things that are coming to this country is it judgment for you know the way that we have lived our lives and maybe the way that this country has turned their back on God and some people will say well no this country has never been uh, a country that you know was was really all belonged to God or whatever but yeah it was it was founded on Christian principles on Judeo-Christian uh, principles and uh, for the longest time I mean there was a morality that um, even if people weren't church going there was a morality that kind of kept things in um you know, in line, and that has been completely uh, blurred, and 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 you see things going off the 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 rails here. Um, one of the one of the the thing, and and I have this on all my websites, at the bottom of my websites. Uh, at least I think I do. I'm not sure about uh, the podcast website, but um, one of the, the scriptures. In fact, I, I started prepping because of this. One of the scriptures that I learned a lot a while back was Amos 3.7. God does nothing without revealing his will to his servants, the prophets. God always let his people know, right? God always let Israel know what was going on. He always gave them 
the guidelines. He always gave them the rules. He always gave them the law to be able to say, hey, this is the way that you need to live. This is the way that's going to guide you. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen. You go back and, and you know read Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and you get into Judges. And Judges is this big old pattern of... of the Jews, you know, not following God's way. God sends judgment down on them. It becomes so oppressive, they cry out to God. God sends a deliverer, and God saves them. And then the, the, you see the cycle over and over and over again in the book of Judges. And then in when you get into uh, the kings and you get into the prophets, you know, God would send a prophet and say, hey, this is going to happen if you don't do this. This is going to happen if you don't do this. And uh, so uh, I, you, a, a lot of people have got to wonder, is like, hey, is this maybe where this, where this country is going? How blessed we were as a nation and where we are headed. Are we headed that way because... Uh, we, you know, this is God's judgment on us for a bunch of different reasons. We can, we, we could just run the whole gamut on that. But uh, you start to wonder, and uh, just really felt like we needed to pray tonight. We prayed. Uh, I feel like I, actually, I think Sunday, Sunday morning is probably going to go that way as well at church. Uh, you know, if if things are are going uh, continue to go bad, uh, received a uh, I I. Uh, I guess I'm a subscriber to Ray Gano's uh, Prophezine uh, email. And uh, you can go to prophezine.com and uh, I believe you can subscribe there. But, you know, he sent this out. He said, uh, Breaking hate groups continue to rally, protest in March. What is my advice? Uh, and then so let me just read a little bit here. He goes, as, as if the horrible events in Charlottesville, Virginia this past weekend weren't enough. It looks like some large cities are gearing up for an alt-left-right civil war across the country. My short version of advice, stay clear, stay far away, and bug in. This weekend, there are protests, marches, rallies being held all over the U.S. Here's where the protests, marches, rallies will be held. What you need to know is that these protests are about Google's firing of James Damore for his criticism of their diversity policy. The march on Google is to protest anti-white male diversity policies. These will be held, and these are the cities where these protests are going to be at. Atlanta, Austin, Boston, Los Angeles, Mountain View, California, New York, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Washington, D.C. So, the left knows that these are going to be out there. They're protesting anti-white male diversity policies. So, do you think that there's going to be some issues out there possibly this weekend? Do you think that there's going to be some, some things going on? Pretty much, you know. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to link to, to raise newsletter uh actually it's the web the web version of his newsletter so you can go decide if you want to go and support him and join up and and get his uh his newsletter there but all this kind of uh i've been sitting on this one for a while I, the tuesday podcast was uh uh or the wednesday podcast went really long about charlottesville so i didn't talk about that one and then uh did the uh today's podcast the thursday podcast uh i didn't really talk about it but um, earlier in the week, I shared out a video. Actually, it was an article uh, on uh, faithandfamilyamerica.com, and it was uh, Ann Graham Lott. So Billy Graham's daughter was talking about, uh, you know, the the coming eclipse that's coming up. I guess Monday, right? And um, she 
there, there's some you know text here, and then what I did on Prepper website is um, I wanted to link to the actual video that was here, but I wanted to kind of give credit to the website for leading me to the video. So um, I put in the description. So like when you click on the post on uh, Prepper website, it said vid, but it's an article. But I re really was trying to point people to the video. Uh, anyway, the video is of uh, a pastor in Australia. His name is Steve Sisolontati, I guess. So, so, I don't know. I, I can't say his name. Long name. Kind of like my name. He probably couldn't say my name. <laughs> I can't say his name. But um, he's, uh, he, looks, he looks Asian, uh, but he's Australian. And uh, he, he talks a lot about Bible prophecy and stuff like that. I've listened to him before, but on this one he's talking about the eclipse. And uh, he's very calm. He's not one of those crazy, you know, guys jumping up and down and whatever. He's very calm. And he lays out stuff, you know, it, it just seems like it's very laid out, right? Uh, and so you could start to logically process it. Well, Facebook, I mean, the, you know, the, the links go to Facebook. And, uh, man, I, I've been so busy at work and with the professional development week, I haven't had time to go check it out. But I, I, I went and I was able to go. And then people were ripping it left and right. This is the stupidest thing that I've ever seen on Facebook this week. Blah, 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 blah. All those kinds of things. Uh, you know, stupid religious morons, all that kind of stuff. And the thing is, is like you wonder, did you even watch the video the, I mean the video is an hour long did you even watch it or did you just go read a few lines and then go comment on it uh, and um, I, I posted this on, on the the Facebook group the prepper website or the a more self-reliant life Facebook group and uh, I didn't get that kind of response people were like hey we'll go watch it but over here it was just so negative it was just like no you're stupid you're dumb you know it's like but so here's some things that I, I want to point out. I, I'm going to link to that article if you want to go see that video. I would suggest you see it uh, just for just if it's interesting, just to go check it out. It gets a little it's a little slow to get started, but it's very very interesting. Some of the things that he points out. This this eclipse that is happening Monday, it's passing over the caldera and the on on the the west coast. It's passing right over Yosemite. It's passing right over uh, the New Madrid fault line. And so it was, it's spanning the whole length of the United States. Now the thing is, is like, does that mean anything or is it just a solar eclipse? Could it possibly mean more? And could it just be a solar eclipse? Yeah. Could it possibly mean more? Yes, it could. And the thing is, how do you how do you look at you know what the Bible says? So one of the scriptures that uh, this pastor points out is Genesis chapter one fourteen, and so this is what it says: Then God said, "Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years." When you go look at those that that word signs in in you know in the Hebrew, in the original language, it has to deal with like omens and things like that and warnings and and when you when you scroll down when you go look at other commentaries commentaries will say hey yeah this is more it's not just 
uh, a sign like hey daylight or whatever or that it's uh, a different season it's fall or winter or whatever There's something a little bit more to that and so did did they look at at signs uh, in in biblical times things that happened in the sky were they signs for them that that meant different things and so one of the things when we start to look at the Bible and we start to interpret the Bible, we have Western criticism. We look at our the we look at the Bible through Western eyes. We look at the Bible from our point of view, from our perspective. But the thing that you have to remember, and one of the things that this pastor points out, and then other pastors do it, like for instance Jacob Prash. I really like him. A lot of people get turned off by him because of his some of the way that, the ways that he comes across and he's very harsh sometimes but if you can get past that there's a lot of good biblical teaching there the fact is is that the bible is jerusalem or israel central uh centric you know it is it's a middle eastern book it was written by those guys it we you know it was it was uh with with their understanding, with their ideas, with the way that they saw the world. And so a lot of the times we're applying our perspective, our views, our Western way of thinking, uh, projecting that onto the Bible where they should be projecting the the Jewish and the, and the Middle Eastern views onto the way that we interpret it instead. And so uh, one of the things, again, is the thing is, did they look at signs of... Uh, signs in the heavens as signs that you know hey we needed to be we needed to pay attention so i thought it was a, a good time to uh bring up well i mean i talked about genesis 114 already uh and you know so they did look at the signs they did know remember they're looking up at that time in biblical times they don't have all the light pollution that we have they don't have all the junk that we have they look up at the stars and they it's very clear for them and they would take time to be able to learn the constellations and they would be able to take time to know what the constellations and to navigate by them and and uh, you you see that right you see that even in the bible orion and 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 uh you have you have those in in the bible so uh or constellations mentioned in the bible so one of the things i want to point out and i don't know if you if you are familiar with this or not there is a professor at Texas A&M who did a uh, who has a website. It's called the Bethlehem Star, and uh, you know one of the things is you know uh, in the the Bethlehem or the the Christmas story, we know that we have the Bethlehem Star, and how did that all play out? A lot of the times, you know, you have a when you look at the you know the, the children's stories or whatever it's an angel that's just kind of over the the manger and all that kind of junk and and so you have all this different stuff so the fact the, the 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 issue is is that the way that our that space works the way that so the solar system works the way everything is on or the universe everything is on a pattern so as soon as you were able to break the pattern, as soon as you were able to find out the pattern, then you were able to recreate that pattern over and over again. So now we have really great software that's freeware. You can go download it and uh, download it to your, uh, to your computer. 
and you can look at the night sky you can look at what it's going to be because it's on a pattern because it it uh, you know it is on in an orbit and the, you know they they know all these things they have the the mathematical formula for all of this junk and so you can you can look at you can go bring it bring up tonight you know august what august 17th you can bring that up on your computer and you can say where you're looking. I'm looking uh, at you know the the sky, uh, you know facing north from Houston, Texas. You can put that on your computer. Then you can go out to uh, to uh, you know face north outside, and you can compare it. And, and it's it's going to be accurate. So the way that you can do that that way, you can go back and look at what was yesterday, or you can go look hey what it's going to look like tomorrow. But so this one professor has the nicer software, the more expensive software, and you could go back even to where they believe maybe Jesus was born and what was going on. Uh, there's some uh, specific things that the star did, right? That you can go and look up, and so this whatever that whatever was up in the heavenly sky at that time had to be able to do these things that the people here on earth saw. So you had these wise men who were coming, and most likely they're coming from Babylon. More than likely, they were probably uh, maybe Jews. When when uh, Alexander the Great, he, when he would conquer, he would conquer, and then he would take the best of the Artesians, the best of the the best, and they would travel with them, and he would move them around. Babylon at one point was his base. He would move them back over there. So these people, they knew the Jewish scripture, so they could have been descendants of uh, people that were conquered, you know, during Alexander the Great's time. Anyway. Uh, maybe they weren't. Maybe they're not. I'm just just the stuff that I read before in the past. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. So they're they're in Babylon. They see these kinds of things. Whatever they saw in the sky was so powerful that they picked up and left, and they went on a journey to go find this new king that was going to be born in in Israel. You know, he, they they go off to go find this, and so they have their maps, they have their charts, they have all this kind of stuff. But they're going to, to find this. And they, according to the scripture, they, they do. And so one of the things, again, is that uh, w when you go read uh, this website, the Bethlehemstar.net or Bethlehemstar.com, I think he owns that one as well. You can go and you, I'm going to link to it. Uh, it starts off at the study and it just breaks it down why they can go this route. But the fact is, is that these these uh, the magi saw the star in in the east from the east east I'm sorry saw the star in the east and they came to worship him and so uh, you know did they believe that way were there things that were so powerful powerful for them that you know they looked at it that way so anyway um, the video that um, the, of that pastor that I'm talking about has a lot of other stuff you know that he talks about. Uh, when other solar eclipses have happened, not not every single solar eclipse, but there's been some solar eclipses that have happened that very soon right after that, things have happened and uh, wars have started and those kinds of things. So could the solar eclipse that we are going to see this next Monday, could it be a warning that is in the future things, you know, maybe letting letting God's people know, hey, uh, just keep an eye out. You know, like I like I end off every uh, podcast. Stay prepped and aware, right? 
uh, you know, just hey, keep your keep your spiritual feelers up, and uh, you know, be paying attention to what's going on because I really believe that the things that are going on in this country, we can look at racism, we can look at all that kind of stuff, we can look at craziness, all the craziness. I, I believe it's spiritual, and so uh, if you're if you're a praying person, I think uh, you know that's one definitely one prep that you should be taking care of is uh, is the spiritual side of that. So. Um, does the Bible change? Does God change the way? You know, we change the way that we respond to God. Uh, you know, uh, Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, you know, God, wh- why would God change the way he does things? And we change the way that we we start changing things. And uh, so if God used heavenly signs in the past, could he use heavenly signs now? And I, I think it could. But anyway, uh, for me, it all wraps up into that one ball, just kind of like I, I'm, I know I'm bouncing around now. Um, one ball of it's, it's all it's all spiritual, and uh, and that's why I started prepping in the first place. It was all spiritual for me then, and now it's it feels like it's come full circle, uh, where I've always been like paying attention to like, is there an economic collapse? Is there going to be a this? Is there going to be a that? Is there going to be, you know, am I prepping for an earthquake? Am I prepping for, you know, big hurricanes? All those things, yes, all that stuff, right? But it's like come full circle. It's all that and all wrapped up in the spiritual. So uh, hopefully that helps some of you out there. I know that there are a lot of Christians out there in preparedness uh, that, that are out there. And a lot of the times you're very, very quiet. Uh, you're, you're prepping just like a lot of preppers. You've got that OPSEC up but you've got that opsec christianity as well within the preparedness community uh you know i i know that chris ray's uh prepared christian uh website still goes strong i mean the reason he keeps it up is because it still keeps getting hits although he's not writing new articles so i know that there's a lot of christians out there and uh you know i i bet you're feeling the same way i bet you're feeling that oh i if if you're not Maybe it's because you, you're so focused on the preparedness side of it. Maybe you need to just step away just a little bit and say, hey, you know, is this spiritual? You know, uh, maybe I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit and praying, reading the Bible. Um, those preps right there, uh, that's the prep for eternal life. Those kinds of things need to be happening. Uh, just like everything else, you need to be focusing on, on that. Uh, that. That'll be important. All right, so... I know I went long there. Uh, those of you that are not believers, you're not coming from a point of faith, uh, thank you for indulging me if you listen to it this far. Um, but uh, I just, you know, that's where I'm coming from. That's where my point of view is, and that's how I live my life, uh, you know, coming from that spiritual side. So the uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump into our first, uh, I think I, you know, let, me, let me just stop before I do that. I think I covered everything I wanted to cover. I wanted to make sure because I, uh, I have a lot of t- I have a lot of tabs open. That's kind of how I keep track of the things I want to talk about. But anyway, uh, I think I took care of everything. Let's go ahead and jump into the first article of uh, of the podcast. It comes to us from PreppersWill.com, and it's entitled "Prepping Between Reality and Paranoia." And uh, I think this is uh, this will be a, a fun one. There's a fun graphic at least. So, so let's get started on this one. We often let our imagination run wild and we put ourselves in all sorts of hypothetical scenarios. As preppers, a little skepticism may help us push forward with our prepping plans and keep us alive if SHTF. However, an excessive 
an excess of imagination can be can do more harm than good. Here's how we can keep a productive balance between being cautious and paranoid. I've noticed a growing trend among preppers and sadly most of them let their imagination run amok. If you let your fears take over and if you don't act rationally, you will just become one of those crazy preppers people keep talking about. Rather than joining those ranks and become a compulsive hoarder, or even worse, a danger for you and those around you, try to step back and think about your actions. Here are a few answers to the most common prepping questions and a few practical applications. Do I have enough food and water? Will my kids starve if it hits the fan? When it comes to prepping, this is the number one concern that turns preppers into hoarders. The fear of not having enough is not related to food stockpiling alone and it can take many forms. However, food and water are the basic needs of humans. We always want to have enough to thrive even when others will not. Setting a goal and a realistic number is the first step when it comes to storing food and water. To be able to do so, you need to establish a preparedness plan and calculate your prepping actions. You should know about the most probable disasters you could be prepping for, how many people you plan on taking care of, and what you should do if the crisis lasts more than you initially assumed. Having a backup plan, like establishing ways to procure food after your resources are depleted, is the proper way to go. Everyone can buy food and water and stack those supplies somewhere, but few people can learn how to become self-sufficient and make it work long term. Learning how to procure your own food will take some of the edge off and you will become more confident. Even if you believe you didn't stockpile enough, at least you have gathered the knowledge and means to look after your family. This alone should provide you with confidence and keep you on the same track. Should I stay at home and avoid crowded places? I've noticed that more and more people are avoiding crowded places or social gatherings. The fear of something that could go wrong prevents them from enjoying time with others and living their lives as they used to. Prepping is about staying prepared and knowing how to act in certain situations. It is not about predicting the future or isolating yourself from others just to be safe. We are social beings and we end up being part of large crowds without thinking too much about it. If you are preparedness minded, you probably put a lot of effort into preparing your home for the worst. Since you are developing skills that will help you survive in any environment, you should learn how to stay safe in a big crowd as well. I know that from a self-preservation point of view, avoiding a crowd makes sense, but it is but is it worth it becoming a hermit? You can force your kids to stay at home rather than going to the local fair, but you will do more harm than good. Paying attention to your surroundings and learning how to stay safe in a big crowd is just as important as stockpiling supplies or fortifying your home. I'm just, let me stop right here. With the current climate of what's going on with the with uh, uh, protests and things, uh, I, I do agree with what what uh, Bob is saying here. Bob Rogers is is the author of this uh, article. I do agree with what he's saying, but with the current climate of what protests are going, I think you need to be very smart. You know, so you need to be smart about what's going on. I I, I know that he is probably referring to stuff like. Uh, you know, going to a big concert because, you know, it can be a terrorist target or going to like a big game, going to a, like an NFL or some football game where there's going to be a lot of people because it can be a big target. It can be a big target. I mean, it, is it is it possible? Is it probable? I mean, you know, is it, could it happen? Yes. 
but I, so I, I know where he's going uh, with that. But uh, we do need to be smart about what we're, what's going on with our current climate. Uh, continuing on, should I invest in clean rooms for my house? Is it safe out there? Epidemics are one of the reasons people prepare, but rather than going outside wearing a face mask, you should learn how about how various pathogens are passed. We are so afraid of getting sick that sometimes we forget about the harsh reality. We are a nation that is sick and has been for a long time. It seems that things are not changing and we are getting sicker. While the reasons behind the sickness vary from one person to another and from one region to the next, there is no point in panicking. While a national Ebola epidemic may not be a real threat for most of us, there are still things to keep an eye on. The food you eat, the water you drink, and the people you interact could influence your health. However, prepping is also about having the right education and passing it further. Eating fast food all day and sitting on the couch watching TV will kill you much faster than any disaster you fear. Keep a good hygiene and have some common sense to instruct your children to do the same. Rather than fearing some disease that may never reach you, learn how to prepare for medical conditions that are more common. Learn about the ones that will possess a threat for your health when SHTF and medicine and professional help are nowhere to be found. Do I have enough guns? How about ammo? When it comes to guns and ammo, there is always the question, how much is enough? This question is not necessarily related to prepping, and we as a free nation, we love our guns. Owning a gun is one of our fundamental rights, and no one can take that away from us. The problem is that some people can become paranoid when it comes to guns and ammo. They will spread their fear as much as they can through various communications channels. They will convince others as well, and soon enough, paranoia sets in, and you see ammo shortages taking place and whatnot. Rather than trying to put a number behind your guns and ammo gathering plans, think about the reasons to do so. Some will chime in that you must have tens of thousands of rounds per caliber, then multiply that by the number of firearms you have in that caliber. Personally, I think that you should be able to stockpile ammo while still being able to live within your means. Don't invest all your hard-earned money in guns and ammo because you can't eat bullets during a famine. Also, going Rambo-style to get supplies from others will not work for long. I recommend reading the following article as it provides a more general approach and reasonable point of view. Stockpiling ammo for SHTF, how much is enough? Is it safe to fly or should I stick to my car? I remember when flying used to be fun and you didn't have to wait for hours to get boarded. It seems that those days are gone forever due to the action of some fanatics and psychopaths. Nowadays, you have to go through all sorts of ordeals if you want to fly, and your family won't even be able to meet you at the gate. Dealing with TSA agents is not easy sometimes, but you have to remember they are just doing their job. The fear of flying nowadays seems to be a battle between civil liberties being ignored and national security being imposed without limits. However, statistically speaking, you have more things to fear going to the airport rather than you do in actual airplanes. Situational awareness is key to survival when flying and you should worry less about the TSA agent being rude or not. Arm yourself with patience and smile if possible when waiting in line. I know there's going to be a lot of people who disagree about the TSA agent uh, stuff there, but I do agree that flying is safer. Um, there, I mean, it's it, it, the numbers have gone up astronomically about how safe it is. Uh, so anyway, just if you're ever worried about that. How do I train my kids to survive without scaring them? Kids look up to their parents and up to a certain age, there's no better source of inspiration for them. 
Panic is the number one killer in most crises, especially if kids are involved. As I found, found out, many of my friends use a wrong approach when it comes to teaching their children about prepping. Being overprotective is the number one reason for this, combined with a I know better attitude. They seem to forget that some kids are tougher than they look. Their children are able to rise to whatever level of performance might be demanded of them. If you want to teach your children about emergency preparedness, you should empower them and alleviate their fears of the unknown. A parent's job is not easy and adding emergency preparedness into the equation will certainly complicate things. However, parents can provide their children with the proper knowledge and tools to boost their confidence during times of chaos. Every parent should have an age-appropriate conversation with their child regarding the events from their life and the same, and the same rules apply when it comes to prepping. Is the government spying on me? The answer is yes, and there is no point in sugarcoating this. Everyone is spying on you, not just the government. Although the purpose of such actions may be different from one party to the other, there is still a proven fact that irritates many. Government employees want to keep Americans safe and put legitimate criminals behind bars. They are really not much different from the rest of us. They are people just like you and me. The problem is that some may be overzealous while others can let paranoia take over. In theory, if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't have to worry at all. In reality, knowing that strangers can listen to your must, your must in, intimate, your uh, that's most, your most intimate conversation, or find out all sorts of private details about you is not an easy thing to swallow. Even more, you have to understand that everyone is spying on you, and not everyone is looking for terrorists. Most parties spy on you because they want to make a buck or two by exploiting the information they gather. From Facebook to smart TVs and even Roomba vacuum cleaners, everyone is doing it. Are my neighbors with or against me? This is a common question for us preppers and there's no easy answer for it. Prepping involves a certain lifestyle that will affect those around you at some point. Certain people require a calm and reasonable approach while others should be ignored plain and simple. No matter how much you try, you will not be able to convince everyone that your actions are justified. Not everyone can be converted and to be honest, there's no point in trying if they don't listen the first time. You are prepping for your loved ones, not for your neighbors. As time goes by, you will figure out if they will join your ranks or work against you if SHTF. You will interact with them, how they act when you are not around, and how they talk about you are all telltale signs that will help you label them. One thing is certain. In densely populated areas, not everyone will become your friend when they are struggling for survival. Will my family survive without me? As I said before, you are prepping for your loved ones and they are the people that matter the most. That being said, sometimes a group has better odds of surviving under the right leadership. Regardless if you prepare for or with your family, there are some principles you need to implement. Group with, groups with great leaders can pretty much accomplish anything. Being a survival leader in the head of the family isn't easy. You already struggled to build a family. Now it's time to develop them into a survival group. Just like you put a lot of effort into your prepping plans, human relationships need nurturing to survive. There is a natural tendency for families to get along since blood is thicker than water, but never take this for granted. To make family survival work, it takes an empathetic leader, one who can keep an eye on both the mission and his or her family. Is it safe to travel internationally? It depends and there is no way of telling for sure if you should postpone your trip or not. I'm not talking here about countries that should be avoided at any cost, such as North Korea or some of the known war zones. 
Staying away from those places should be common sense and you should avoid going there unless your job requires doing so. There are a lot of bad folks in the world and every foreigner they see on their land is a potentially trophy for them. That's how the world works and it did, and it did so long before the press and media made it more visible. Technology is spreading information but unfortunately nothing sells better than bad news. That being said, planning a vacation ab abroad has become a real challenge. From law enforcement corruption to street hustlers and improper medical care, everything needs to be considered. Inform yourself before traveling and take precautionary measures such as making a tra travel bug out bag or hiring a local guide. A last word about prepping. As a prepper, you are more likely to be called crazy or paranoid than any other person around you. It doesn't take much to start a contradictory discussion and you, have, and you having to defend your prepping actions. In general, people are afraid of what they don't understand. Being uninformed and brainwashed is a general characteristic nowadays and few people bother to think of the future. They do not understand that all the things we are prepping for are real. These things happened before, happened before, long before we decided to open up the subject. Just because it didn't happen to them, that doesn't mean they are safe or protected by some divine intervention. Unfortunately, it takes a harsh wake-up call, like a natural disaster, to make people understand that nothing should be taken for granted in this world. I really like that last uh, paragraph. That's a good paragraph. Uh, almost, uh, almost want to go back and uh, read it twice. Uh, but look, some good stuff there uh, that, that he's mentioned. So good, uh, good, uh, even keel ways of looking at things uh, here. Uh, we can. It's easy once you get. And you know what? I'll be honest. It's happened to me before because you start getting into like negative news, and not necessarily negative news, but uh, negative, you know, articles, constant, you know, the doom, uh, the doom porn, and. Um, you start seeing, you know, the world ending all over the place. Uh, you, you know, that happens maybe after um, you've probably have felt it, like after reading one of the books, like uh, Lights Out, right, or One Second After. You read that book and then you realize how fragile the world is, and you start you're walking around and it's like, oh my gosh, people. I remember the first time, you know, that started hitting me. I was, uh, I was walking the halls at my school and I'm like, these people have no clue how how easy it is for their whole life to change right um you know a, a, some stupid bomb up in the atmosphere uh would change life forever and so you start thinking you know things like that and then eventually life keeps going on and things start happening your you know your mind gets back on track but if you keep yourself in all of that and and never do anything different uh, you can you can surround yourself in, with with so much of that information that you do become paranoid. Um, that's why for me again, it's so important to come back to the spiritual side of things uh, again, and uh, you know that's what keeps me balanced. And uh, so hopefully, if if it's not a spiritual thing for you or a faith thing for you that keeps you balanced, maybe it's your family that keeps you balanced. Maybe it's your uh, just your your love for uh, nature that keeps you balanced or whatever. But uh, yeah, we, we definitely don't want to go so extreme in our, in our views because, uh, you know, we, you start to get closed minded when you get into the extremes, uh, your eyes start to narrow and you don't get to see everything clearly. So a uh, good article there. There are some links that you're going to go, go check out. Uh, not a whole lot of links, but some links to other articles, uh, about three or four of them that might, or actually more, 
five or six that will uh, that will be uh, interesting for you. And then after the uh, the article, there are other useful resources that you could go and uh, check out over at prepperswill.com. All right, um, the last article of the podcast and this week. Um, I mentioned yesterday after reading Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's radiation sickness that uh, I thought it would be a good uh, add-on uh, today to talk a little bit more about radiation, you know, how to, uh, how to deal with it. Um, and so uh, I, I went into the archives and pulled up, uh, I remember this article, I knew I had it, or I knew I had linked to it, I just didn't realize how, how long ago. This was from uh, 2012, actually. Uh, see, what month is it? I guess it's around March, uh, March. Uh, March 2012, so it's, uh, it's a, you know five years old, five years five plus, uh, coming to us from Backdoor Survival. Yeah, Gay actually touches base with someone who helped clean up uh, and investigate the Three Mile Island incident in 1979. So okay, so let's go ahead and get get going into this one because there's uh, some good information. 15 ways to limit radiation after nuclear Armageddon. As a baby boomer, I grew up in the shadow of the Cold War, of the Cold War, along with the proliferation of nuclear power. Back in the day, we called this the ons- onset of the atomic age, and it was something to be heralded with anticipation for a better world. But something happened along the way. First, in 1979, there was a nuclear meltdown at the Three Mile Island power plant in Pennsylvania. Supposedly, there were no ill effects of this incident. According to most government and regulatory officials, most of the radiation was contained and the actual release of radiation had negligible effects on the physical health of individuals or the environment. Whether you believe that or not, Three Mile Island was a wake-up call regarding the safety of nuclear reactors. This was followed by the Chernobyl disaster in 1986. The incident at Chernobyl resulted in an explosion and fire that released large quantities of radioactive contaminants into the atmosphere. These radioactive particles spread over much of western USSR and Europe and it was bad, really bad. According to the International Atomic Energy Agency, over 200,000 people, well there's an extra zero here so I don't know if that's 200,000 or 2 million, uh, 200,000 people are believed to have been relocated as a result of the accident. Reports of serious illnesses, though, have been vague and claim to show no direct correlation between their radiation exposure and an increase in other forms of cancer or disease. Then in 2011, a massive tsunami severely damaged the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant, and we still do not know for sure the impact of that incident on our health and the environment. Even though the Fukushima tragedy happened just a year ago, news and updates about the the real and true situation in Japan and the immediate area are not forthcoming. I just know that I would not stay there if that were my home. So, man, that's uh, five years ago. Fukushima happened six years ago. It may just seem like yesterday, right? <laughs> Maybe. So, we all, so with all of this as background, you may say that I have a healthy fear of nuclear power and all that it entails, especially during these days of increased seismic activity coupled with the potential of renewed military conflict and wars. Why bring this up now? A few weeks ago, I was sent an infographic titled Surviving a Nuclear Holocaust with a request to spread the word. Before I could do so, however, a number of my online colleagues had already posted the infographic. 
Rather than duplicate their efforts, I started thinking about the potential of a domestic nuclear incident, whether caused by Mother Nature or, heaven forbid, man-made, and realized that in spite of all of my well-intentioned preparedness efforts, this was one area where I felt least ready and thus more fearful. I decided to do a bit of research into how to better prepare for a nuclear Armageddon and was lucky enough to connect with Joy Thompson who, while not the creator of the infographic, did provide the source information. Joy was part of the three-person health physics investigatory team that worked on the immediate recovery operation following the Three Mile Island incident in 1979. With her permission, I would like to share with you 15 practical ways to limit radiation exposure and radioactive contamination in your home, school, or office. 15 ways to limit radiation exposure. Household surfaces. Radioactive particles are much smaller than even the tiniest dust particles and cannot be seen. But if you assume that all the dust in your indoor environment is radioactive, carefully, careful cleanliness will protect you against excessive exposure from unseen particles as well. It can help to visualize a layer of invisible dust even when surfaces look clean and shiny. You will want to wash the walls, countertops, furniture, and appliance surfaces and floors regularly. Each time, use a clean mop and sponge. Keep a good supply of paper towels, plastic grocery and trash bags, and sturdy trash containers with tight-fitting lids on hand. Always wash from top to bottom at least once a day. Dispose of all used mop heads, sponges, and wipes in a trash container outside. Do not dry dust or sweep or use a feather type duster as these will simply cause dust and isotopes to become airborne where they can be inhaled or settle onto food, etc. Carpets, rugs, and mats. Most people are aware that carpets, rugs, and floor matting are dust magnets. These cannot be washed daily in an effective manner and often cannot be removed for the duration of the danger. Daily or twice daily vacuuming is recommended, but be careful of older vacuum cleaners that often have leaks, leaks that stir more dust into the air than is sucked into the bag. A good filtered vacuum is baseline requisite. Replace the filter regularly with the finest grain filter available for the unit and wash it carefully after each use even if it doesn't look dirty. Place all disposed filters and dust bags in tightly closed plastic grocery bags in a trash bag lined closable, out, closable outdoor container. You do not want concentrated contaminants from cleaning to remain inside. A water filtered vacuum is preferable to a regular vacuum if you can get one. Good shop vacs will work for this. Dispose of contaminated water down the toilet, then clean the toilet, including the seat, thoroughly with, thoroughly with fresh water. Also, a water-filtered or virus-rated air filter indoor air purifier is a good idea to run several times a day following your cleaning regimen. This will remove dust that cleaning activity has caused to go airborne. In the kitchen, the danger of ingesting radioisotopes is significant as, as internal contamination is 20 to 100 times more harmful than external exposure. Alpha and beta particle radiation does not present significant external exposure at all in low levels, but once they get into your body, they can easily damage or destroy sensitive cells. Thus, some careful kitchen habits will go a long way toward limiting internal exposures. Always keep your pots, pans, plates, silverware, and utensils in clean cabinets with doors, covers, 
drawers, or covered containers in such as Tupperware bins. Remove covering carefully so as not to shake the dust they may have accumulated out into the air or onto previously clean surfaces. Always rinse your cooking utensils, plates, silverware, glassware, etc. in clean, preferably filtered water before using them. The best filter for the purpose use activated charcoal or reverse osmosis as these are quite effective at trapping the most dangerous radioisotopes. Change the filter every two or three days during the entire course of the radiologic emergency. Wrap, wrap used filters in tightly closed plastic grocery bags and keep them in the lined hot trash container outdoors. Be sure to rinse the outside of all food cans before opening with a well-rinsed manual can opener. Wipe rinsed article off with a paper towel and dispose of those in the same outdoor hot trash container. Coming and going. Every time a human or pet comes into the indoors from the outdoors, they will be bringing contamination with them. Limiting this new source of contamination is important to limiting indoor exposure. When you go outside, wear a set of coveralls or a duster over your clothes. Rubber boots over shoes is a good idea as well, especially if it is raining. Fallout contamination in rain can be 10 to 20 times higher than it is in clean weather. A pair of outdoor shoes is also recommended. None of these items should come inside, but should be left outdoors on a porch or landing or confined to the entry area. Show every time, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, shower every time you come indoors from having spent more than a few minutes outdoors. Always wash from top to bottom and don't ingest any of the, fr the water the wash water. Avoid breathing steam by using cool, lukewarm, or just slightly warm water. Obtain a supply of good quality dust masks to cover your mouth and nose and always wear it when outdoors or traveling in your vehicle. A utility painter's type mask is better than a flimsy medical type mask available from hardware and most home improvement stores. Or you may choose to use handkerchiefs if they are made of a tightly woven fabric. Fold it in Fold it to provide more than one layer of cloth and cover mouth nose as tightly as possible and still allow breathing. Um, so there is a, there is an infographic, or not an infographic, a graphic here where doors and windows and stuff are taped up that you might want to go look at. General airflow. The shelter-in-place advisory we heard about for citizens outside the evacuation zone around Fukushima was intended to limit residents' exposure to the radiation levels outdoors. It did not work very well due to public ignorance of the need to keep outdoor air and contamination out of indoor spaces, but the basic premise is sound if these listed methods are followed carefully, along with other recommendations given here. Seal all doors that open to the outside with duct tape. Use only one door for entering and exiting, preferably a door that enters into a semi-enclosed entry space, garage, or mudroom. Make that space into a changeover area for protective outdoor clothing and footwear. Windows should also be tightly closed even if it's nice outside and sealed with duct tape for the duration of the emergency. Run your air conditioner at least 12 hours a day using the recirculation setting even when you are not using the heat or cooling cycles. Get fine filters and change them daily. If using foam filters, these may be carefully washed and allowed to dry after changing, but fine grain fiber dust filters that are disposed of as hot trash are, ch are changing after changing are better. Do not use fans to blow outside air in 
or run AC units on settings that draw outside air inside. Take steps to keep indoor air from being too dry. A semi-humid environment lets water vapor attach more particulate contamination and bring it down to floor level so it's not floating around where you are breathing. Pets and short people. Dogs, cats, and small children are much closer to the ground than upright adults and will tend to absorb more contamination. What may be a non-dangerous extremity dose, extre extreme extremity dose, I guess, to an adult walking with his or her head well above the ground can present a contamination danger to crawlers, toddlers, and pets, especially dogs who are prone to sniffing the ground regularly. Always carry young children while outdoors or going to and from a vehicle. Avoid taking them out in the rain if at all possible and do have them wear mask, hat, and some kind of outer covering like a duster, blanket, or coat. At home, try not to let the children spend a lot of time on the floor. If they must be on the floor, spread a clean sheet onto it first. Keep pets indoors as much as possible for the duration. If you must let the animal outside for a period of time, keep it short. Keep a wash tub near the door along with a supply of clean towels. Wash them down top to bottom before bringing them indoors where you can towel them off. Keep a closed hamper in or just out outdoors of your entry zone to receive used towels and out outer clothing bound for the laundry. Miscellaneous precautions. These are a few additional precautions to keep in mind. All family members, including pets, should sleep at least two feet above the floor for the duration of the emergency or for as long as there are reports of suspicious suspicions of elevated radiation levels. To keep radioactive contamination well away from nose and mouth, you may have to let the dog sleep on the couch to accomplish this, so do cover your couch or other likely animal bed surfaces with clean sheets and change them daily. Regular laundering of sheets, handkerchiefs, masks, outdoors, clothing, etc. should keep them fairly free of contamination. But wash the most contaminated items separately from a regular laundry so as to avoid possibly excess contamination to all your laundry. Do not hang clean laundry on the outdoor clothesline. Use your dryer and clean the filter after every load. Treat the lint as hot trash or hang indoors overnight to dry. Keep following all these procedures for several days or even a week or two after the danger appears to have passed. As residual radiation and contamination may still be in the environment, wrestling the kids out on the lawn or splashing around in mud puddles may be fun pastimes you must give up for a long while. Depending on the isotopes present in the environment, the danger may persist for months or years. A radiation detector is handy for locating hot spots in and around your area or your property, and these will tend to be found in normal drainage pathways such as eave gutters, underneath downspouts and along drainage ditches. If you find any of these, avoid them carefully until you or some official remediation outfit can effectively decontaminate them. Do not attempt de decontamination or remediation yourself unless you know what you're doing and take serious precautions for your own safety. Remember, some common isotopes have long half-lives and will tend to concentrate to remain dangerous for centuries. If, if it if it looks like this is to be the situation where you live, it may be for the best to relocate farther from the source. This can be especially true for those who grow food or raise livestock on the land. Some nasty isotopes are readily 
uh, are readily uptaken by food plants and can concentrate in them to present internal hazards to all who consume them. The final word. The pro-nuclear lobby, which includes many government and corporate officials, repeatedly claim that radiation exposure is harmless, yet scientists, academic, and medical experts have consistently insisted that there is no safe level of exposure. One thing for sure that Fukushima has taught us is that officials from most any country are not trustworthy when it comes to providing accurate and timely information about radiation levels or other health matters. I don't know about you, but I prefer to err on the side of caution and go with the scientists and the medical co community, because after all, my life and safety may depend upon it. At the end of the day, it all boils down to who do you trust and who do you believe. Um, let me just read a little bit about the, the author. Joy Thompson was a part of a three-person investig investigatory team with her husband Randall and colleague David Baer during the immediate recovery operation at TMI-2 in 1979. As health physics personnel, the team monitored on-site radiation levels, releases of radioactive contamination into the environment, and doses to workers. The Thompsons went on to establish a family entertainment business with their children and took up homesteading in the mountains of North Carolina. Joy maintains a blog about homesteading, self-sufficiency, current issues, and organic gardening, Wise Living Journal. So you can link to that, uh, log as, that blog as well. For an, information, for, for an informative, fascinating, and somewhat shocking account of Joy and Randall's experience at TMI, I recommend that you read the article, Investigation, Revelations About Three Mile Island Disaster Raises Doubts Over Nuclear Plant Safety. All right, so uh, a lot of information there. Um, like I said, this was uh, this was an article that I, that I remember that I that I had seen that I had linked to, and uh, that I thought it was good. Just you know, if you ever get in that situation uh, and radiation is there, how are you going to take care of it? Uh, I mean, people might not have ever thought about you know kids being on the floor and uh, you know that they would be sucking up more radiation than you know adults that were just walking around uh, you might not have ever thought about your pets going out there and running on the lawn and then bringing it back in your in your house and tracking it everywhere and uh, how dangerous that was uh, so a lot of a lot of things to consider and just kind of file in the back of your head so uh, that's backdoor survival there are links throughout that article as well that you're going to want to you're going to want to go and check out all right guys that's it for the friday podcast uh I'm actually I keep looking at the time and I'm going longer and longer. I don't I don't know why. Uh, I mean I'm not trying to go like an hour or whatever. I'm, I'm I really would prefer to keep it you know lower, uh, shorter amounts. I know some of y'all are out there like hey we like the longer ones. We listen to it on our commute uh, to work and all that good stuff. But uh, you know some people out there is like hey we can only listen to 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So uh, you know all that stuff to to consider. But anyway, thanks so much for uh, being a part of the podcast. I really do appreciate that. Hey, if you do any of your shopping on Amazon, and uh, I don't I don't ask for Patreon or donations or anything like that, I don't even really know what I'm doing with uh, with the podcast right now as far as uh, if at some point I am going to monetize it or sponsorships or anything like that. Uh, you know, I want to make sure I, I don't cheapen it. I want to make sure that I do it right. Um, and you know, so I, I really don't know what I'm doing with all that. Uh, right now I'm enjoying doing the podcast 
and uh, so it's it's not so much of a burden. It's a little bit of sleep that I lose, but uh, you know it's not so much of a burden. I, I really do enjoy doing it, but uh, you know there are expenses, and uh, so again I'm not asking for donations. But if you would like to uh, you know bless Prepper website podcast or Prepper website back, uh, if you do any shopping at Amazon, you, if you go through our link, we get a little percentage of whatever you buy. Uh, and so uh, that's greatly appreciated. I have links on all the websites on Ed That Matters, on uh, Prepper website, and the Prepper website podcast.com. Uh, just click on any Amazon link and it will take you there. And uh, whatever you purchase, uh, you know, we get a little percentage of it. So we, we do appreciate that. So I hope you get a little bit of time this weekend to, uh, to enjoy. Uh, the weekend and uh, get out there in some fresh air and maybe some dirt time or or maybe just relax on the couch. Maybe you've had a long week and uh, you just want to chill and, uh, you know, recharge your batteries. That's always good too. All right. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.